A very warm hello to all our listeners. I am Dhyutama Sharma and I welcome you all to the very first episode of Correro and Beyond, a podcast series brought to you by Pinnacle, the Department of BA program Miranda House. So for today's episode, we have with us Mr. Vivek Atre, a former IS officer, a motivational speaker, an acclaimed orator and a prolific writer. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you for inviting me. Well, sir, to begin with, I would like to ask you that how did you manage to be an all-rounder in life? And what were some of the important habits that you harnessed over these years to be one? I think I just uh, became an all-rounder by default because I kept uh, doing creative things. So I started out wanting to be a cricketer and I played serious cricket till the age of 19. I took coaching from Mr. D.P. Azad, who was also Chetan Sharma's coach, Kapil Dev's coach earlier. So I was uh, pretty much a serious cricketer at that time. Yeah. And the term all-rounder also comes from cricket. You know, a person who can bat, bowl and field well is an all-rounder. So I think I, yeah, then I actually diversified my interests into writing when I got into engineering college. So I became a cricket aspirant, then I became an engineering aspirant, then I became an engineer. I became a writer and then I got into the civil services uh, after my engineering, the Haryana civil service later in the IAS. So I guess by doing all these four or five things and later becoming a motivational speaker, I became an author. That's remarkable, sir. And now coming on to my next question, having worked so closely with the government, you have seen our country and its youth population grow in diverse fields. So according to you, Where do you see the country and its youth citizenry in the next 20 years? Yeah, I'm very optimistic. I'm a very positive, hopeful person. I feel that the youth of India is remarkable. I go all across India when the lockdown is not there and I travel. I speak to the youth from as far as Assam to Chennai to Vadodara to Jammu. I've been to all parts of the country. And Mm -hmm. I find that the youth has a lot of enthusiasm for life, for learning, for being educated well, for becoming good human beings and good citizens of this great country. The conditions which are there in our country mean that we need to rectify a few things before these uh, young people can actually shine in the next 20 years, as you said. Actually, we need to correct a few things in the system. So the system is such that Uh, Sometimes it bothers the individual. Instead of uh, bothering the individual by intervening in his or her life, sending, you know, uh, do this, do that, and uh, reply with this, and fill up this, and, you know, a person should be able to carry out his trade or his job or his vocation without interference from the government, and Mm -hmm. should be able to approach the government whenever he or she needs a document or a service, and then the government should give that service. So if we clean up our system and make things a little more easy for the public, I think the youth can flourish. Also entrepreneurs, if you talk of uh, the youth, if young people make uh, small forays into the world of business, and if you find that uh, they're finding it easy, then it will become much easier for them to uh, tide over the initial hiccups and get into a a phase when they can actually employ others. But if they are... uh, Hmm. Yeah, but if they are being, uh, you know, if there's lots of bottlenecks, if they are 
put to harassment or things like that, then it won't be possible. So in 20 years, we really need to clean up that part of our act and make India a place where, you know, the best and the most competitive and the well-meaning can flourish and prosper. Definitely, sir. Very well put. And proceeding a little deeper into the same question now, we observe in today's time a cutthroat competition in every field of life. And a major section of the youth population is confused in selecting their careers. So what's your take on that? Yeah, I recently came out with a video on choosing the career you love. Actually, what happens if you get into a career which is unfamiliar to your basic nature? then you will be uh, bothered, you know, you'll be uncomfortable for years. So, for example, uh, everyone in the family is a chartered accountant and the uh, youngster is also expected to become a chartered accountant. Whereas this youngster is actually a musician, loves right. music, loves playing instruments and uh, may have made a mark as a musician, as a sound recordist, as something, but chartered accountancy is unfamiliar to his heart at least. So this boy has to really be guided and mentored to allow to be allowed to do what he really wants. So I feel that choosing a career that you love is hmm. very, very important. Of course, everyone can't get their first love. So each young boy or girl wants to be a Bollywood hero or an Indian cricketer. Uh, everyone can't be that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, you have to basically be sensible. But supposing right. you're good at numbers, then get into chartered accountancy. If you're good at engineering, get into engineering kinds of subjects. But if you're good at writing, history and uh, humanities and expression and, you know, the arts, the liberal arts, then we must allow mm -hmm. uh, the youth to flourish. So choose a career from your heart and find the best possible fit accordingly. Rightly said, sir. And it's true that if we do what we actually love to do, then the path becomes more easier to navigate. And moving forward with my next question now, the other day I was reading about the yawning divide that you have written about. So could you please explain that to our listeners as well? Yeah, that's a lovely question because it's very close to my heart, these write-ups yeah. <laughs> that I do. Yes. And yes. you know, this yawning divide actually surprised me because I used to write these middles in uh, the Times of India and the Tribune. For about mm -hmm. five years, I kept writing uh, in the Times of India also. Then they closed down that middle section. So all right, all right. Hmm. This appeared in the Times of India about seven or eight years ago. And uh, a yawning divide basically was about how my sister gets up in the morning, wakes up at four o'clock. All right, she, all right. Husband, hmm. They, they have morning tea at 4.30, they go for a walk, they do their yoga, they do their household work and then he goes off to work at 8 o'clock and she gets busy after that with whatever she does. So, and my, on the other hand, my, and I'm going to be under tr in trouble again for this, but my sister-in-law <laughs> and my uh, brother-in-law, they wake up at 11 and uh, they sleep late because he has a job in television, he comes back home late. And uh, then she also wakes up late. So they start the day at 11 and he actually goes for a morning walk at 12 noon, even if it's hot. So mm -hmm. there is a yawning divide between the two lifestyles and the two timings. It's almost as if one lives in India and one lives in the US. 
yes, and yes. Uh, hmm. in the same country. So this actually was picked up by the Maharashtra School Education Board, and they published it as a chapter in their textbook. And right. uh, they wrote hmm. Vivek Atre, and they thanked the Times of India. But I didn't know hmm. for many years. A couple of years back, a friend told me that your chapter is there, so I was surprised. And now my sister and sister-in-law have become famous because there are questions at the end which are, "What time does the sister, author's sister wake up?" Okay. So, yeah. Then I actually made a video on it and taught that chapter to whoever wants to listen on YouTube, because okay. I found that some Maharashtra teachers were teaching that chapter, uh, and let's say I wasn't very satisfied with their teaching. I found it on YouTube. so okay. i made it myself hmm. <laughs> all right great so coming on to emotional intelligence now you have always highlighted its importance in many of your ted talks so how essential is it in an individual's life according to you extremely essential intelligence and emotional intelligence are actually complementary to each other a person has to be intelligent in today's era or any era and if you look at indians around you basically everyone is intelligent and uh, you know it's very uh, few people who are unable to understand numbers or little things which are happening in the world they all comprehend very well so intelligence is not in question emotional intelligence is a concept introduced first by daniel goleman he is the guru and okay. he has put seven parameters which include self analysis introspection empathy and you know understanding others but my definition is emotional intelligence is the ability to handle people and situations in a calm and balanced manner mm-hmm. so i've been writing about emotional intelligence speaking about emotional intelligence because i feel that people who know what to say how to say it in which company and in what manner they are superior people because their minds might be like any human beings you know sometimes jealous sometimes angry sometimes disturbed but they are able to control their demeanor and behave in a dignified way and they never put a word out of place where other people on the other hand who lack emotional intelligence they might just blurt out something which need not have been said or hurt someone or lose their temper too many times which is not a sign of emotional intelligence either so i think right. it's very very mm-hmm. vital especially for leadership corporate leadership and mm-hmm. uh, government leadership and academic leadership and for young people especially because you might harm your career by saying something or doing something even relationships can break because you uh, weren't patient and you weren't in control of your emotions all right so this reminds me of this very beautiful quote which goes like this you only live once but if you do it right once is enough so i guess Absolutely. that emotional intelligence plays a major role in our lives so just a follow up to the previous question sir how important according to you are ethics and values in a student's life as these are the years when we learn unlearn and form opinions of our own that's the question of the show till now it's a very good question and in fact uh, if we at a young age we realize that we will make mistakes but broadly the straight path is the best path which means that the ethical path the path which leads you know to a difficult uh, turbulent times at times but you are basically not losing out on your moral values your ethics so i'll give you an example right. someone crosses mm. the red light every morning at 6 o'clock because mm. he goes to the hospital or somewhere early morning and uh, gym or whatever and 
every morning he crosses the red light and he knows nobody's around and it doesn't matter because there's no traffic but you know mm-hmm. one day this person uh, reads some article or realizes that other people are stopping even at 6 o'clock so mm-hmm. he gets a conscience call and he stops starts stopping there nobody's mm-hmm. watching when nobody's watching then a character is truly tested so when right. the police is watching or mama is watching or uh, some teacher is watching everybody is very honest and straightforward mm-hmm. but uh, human beings uh, can be human be however let me put it um, let me simplify it by saying that human beings will make mistakes they will make mm-hmm. deliberate mistakes there's no point in feeling guilty for what you did everyone has done things which should not have been done in life and uh, made mistakes deliberately or done things which are sinful or whatever but ultimately you have to realize that improvement is the name of the game so you hmm. keep on uh, trying to as an 18 year old 19 year old 20 21 year old you will make mistakes because you have desires temptations you need that extra chocolate or you'll bunk class when you shouldn't have you'll do even worse things than this but one day you have to realize that ultimately i have to improve what i have in my being and my system and try and get better try and tell less lies and try and become almost perfect in that and by the time my journey is uh, midstream i'm uh, let's say 25 to 30 years old or 40 years old i should be a human being who has many many more qualities uh, ethical qualities than drawbacks right right as mark twain says that the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why so right. precisely precisely said and uh, proceeding further to the most uh, interesting part of the segment coming to your spiritual side of the aura you mention a lot about the autobiography of a yogi written by swami paramhans yoganand a legend who walked this earth a few years back so when and how did you discover this side of yours and how do you think can it help today's generation as it paves its way through the unpredictability and the monotony of present times again a very good question actually you're right everyone goes through a journey i also was not spiritual when i was growing up i was obviously a youngster wanted to play wanted to run around wanted to watch movies and tv and you know have fun with friends and uh, i was like that and it's fine to be like that and my mother used to call me to pray and i would uh, you know just come and rush and with my shoes on and come to her mandir and just fold my hands and run away and <laughs> she would be quite cross and she would say don't bring your shoes to this mandir and i used to tell her i said god doesn't mind shoes he binds your uh, you know your intentions so i would <laughs> right. give her this kind of gyan uh, <laughs> and reply as a teenager <laughs> but uh, i realized when i saw the autobiography of a yogi with my wife actually after i got married many many years later she read it okay and um, then she would tell me this you must read it and i just started reading a little bit then i left it because it was too deep and serious right. and uh, <laughs> quite bulky quite serious and quite deep but actually i found that it's such an entertaining book if you look at it every chapter has humorous incidents as well mm-hmm. so i read it in one year the first time and i absorbed it a little bit but i couldn't understand much and i started meditating uh, also with my wife and uh, i used to go to the yogoda satsang society meditation center in chandigarh where we live and mm-hmm. uh, it would be lovely and uh, we would find peace and she was much ahead of me but i caught up gradually and i started meditating deeply 
and then mm-hmm. i read the autobiography again and then i realized oh i missed all this i didn't understand this sentence the first time and you wouldn't believe it now i read it one page every day and okay. uh, it's become a part mm-hmm. of my life he actually wrote it in the 1940s and he died in 1952 but his legacy the legacy of paramansa yogananda it lives on there are millions of people all over the world who follow his teachings his lessons and the meditation techniques and i think we are a conglomerate of being a soul a mind and a body so right. we hmm. we have to understand that and if we pay attention only to our body and only to our mind then we're not doing justice to our life so ultimately everyone has to be spiritual you don't have to become a monk or a nun or you sit in a cave you have to live your life you have to have family you have to have children and everything but you have to basically balance your life with meditation and spirituality right i think the most uh, striking quotation that i found in that book was practice meditation you'll find that you're carrying within your heart a portable paradise so superb absolutely it's my favorite yes <laughs> yes so uh, you're a successful author and i would like to know that what your writing process is like and having some successful books on your shelf what new are you working on nowadays yeah i'm glad you asked this also i became a writer in college uh, in school too i used to write but in college i actually wrote one article per year for my college magazine which wasn't much but it was a start right. so it was published mm-hmm. all four years in the college magazine when obviously there was competition everybody's articles were not published so mm-hmm. i realized that i have something in me as a writer about 10 years into service after that then my wife nina kept tagging me on why don't you write and also i wrote a couple of middles which are short pieces in the, on the editorial page of a paper in the tribune okay. and uh, hmm. then i started sending them to the times of india i realized that i could write uh, humorous witty kind of stuff mm-hmm. and i used to read pg woodhouse so my writing journey started because i loved pg woodhouse and his humorous writings and then i started writing these humorous middles from real life like i wrote things like screaming times which was about nina screaming in the kitchen when she saw chutkali or something <laughs> okay. or or there was something about bad hair days and there was something about uh, my job how i met people who were funny or who were uh, you know there was a person who came to me who said his name was amarnath he used to send a slip every day amarnath amarnath mc mc was his designation he lost mm-hmm. the election and he was no longer an mc or a municipal councillor and he sent me a slip the next day uh, he wrote instead of writing amarnath x mc he wrote x amarnath mc so i was like uh, amarnath you're not uh, you're still alive right you're not x amarnath you are amarnath okay <laughs> you lost the election so i learned a lot of these things from real life i picked them up and i started writing about these things and then i wrote my first novel called move on bunny which was also yes. a humorous hmm. com kind of novel Hmm. and then i wrote dubeji bounces back which was also humorous but which also had a message of how you can bounce back in life despite all constraints and despite the fact that you may be an introvert or you may be shy at first so raghav dubey is a youngster but they call him dubeji just to tease him and dubeji yes. bounces back. and then i wrote finding success within which is a non fictional book which came out early this year and it is uh, about 52 life skills for young people and i feel mm-hmm. that a lot of my motivational talks and emotional intelligence and leadership and how to handle difficult bosses and relationships all that is in that 
so okay. i wrote that <laughs> and uh, now i'm writing uh, my column which is random forays in the hindustan times i've written about 115 115 oh, okay. pieces already okay, yeah in the okay. last few years okay it's published every fortnight and okay. different topics but i'm also now uh, in my mind uh, writing uh, or contemplating writing a book which is again a story this time it's going to be uh, again a little humorous but a little more on society and how life goes on outside so i can't tell you much right now but i will write it. yes definitely waiting for it sir and uh, the first time i got the chance to meet you in person was during ruskin bond's keynote address in one of the literature festivals in the city and yes. you were also a part of many other sessions that took place that day so yes. how has been your experience meeting all these phenomenal authors that we read about in books and would you like to share any memorable conversation or an incident about them that you cherish till today yes in fact ruskin bond is a prime example i have met people like anuja chauhan who's a ladies best seller in the country astha my cousin is a best selling author herself in bombay she writes love stories astha atre then i've met people like meghna pant i've met uh, even amish and uh, ashwin sanghi and kavinder singh I met all these top leading authors of india i've even met uh, senior people like gurcharan das and shiv khera so i've met uh, quite a few of them but ruskin bond comes to mind because i went to his house uh, once and with my uh, little children at that time and my wife and we went to his house and somehow got an appointment we had uh, met him for about half an hour in his room and you know he'd written these little loving uh, lovely stories as you know and he talks about a monkey who comes through the window in one of the story so yes, he kept sir. telling yes. us about that window he said this is that window in that book where the monkey comes in from and you know kept showing us so proudly the little house and then he says that you know when i don't write i get very grumpy so hmm. then later in the conversation he uh, it slipped from his uh, lips he says you know i haven't written anything today so i just joked i said uh, but mr bond you don't look grumpy if you haven't written anything he said no no i wrote a couple of lines in the morning so that was so cute well sir it's a coincidence that i did something very similar to what you did as i visited him once at masuri during one of my winter breaks and okay. i was navigating his house by reading his own book so i think that okay. is the most beautiful thing i've ever done in life he writes so beautifully that even if you start following what is written in his book you will locate his house very easily so that is the <laughs> that is the beauty uh, of his writings so a very yes. memorable uh, incident and on that note before we wrap this segment up one last question that i would like you to answer is if you could go back in time what advice would you give your 20 year old self yeah i think i would give myself this advice i think at 20 i was very much bothered about what other people think of me so even in cricket i used to be worried what will my coach think if i get out early and while batting you can't have these thoughts but i i used to so instead of watching the ball if you're thinking too much then you won't do that well i was reasonably good but i could have been better i think i Uh, was too much bogged down by what people think today i've really shed that and i still uh, have a little bit of it but not much and i post things which i wouldn't have posted a few years ago i write things which i wouldn't have written a few years ago and i was always conscious of society and my image 
But I think at a young age, you must uh, be true to yourself. And if right. I was 20 today, I would tell myself, just be true to yourself and don't bother about too many people. Of course, your parents and your uh, immediate family matters, but not too many. The auntie down the road who tells you, you didn't study well, you didn't get good marks, you're not a good boy, this, that. Don't worry, worry about it. Right. As Albert Einstein also says that if you want to live a happy life, tie it to a goal and not to people or things. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So with this, it's a wrap for this segment of Carrero and Beyond. Thank you so much, sir, for taking some time out and for sharing your pearls of wisdom with us. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. So thanks a lot and wishing you the very best in life. I'll be very happy to be connected to you all through social media. I'm on all the social media. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure and joy. Thank you. And for our dear listeners, we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Carrero and Beyond. And we promise to bring something very interesting and special for you in the upcoming days. So stay tuned until we meet next and have a great day ahead. Thank you.